Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Nutjob Podcast, episode two. And uh, I'm chuffed to bits to have on uh, Three Dads Walking. Um, we've got Tim, Mike, Mike and Andy. Um, Mike's feeling a little bit under the weather, so he's not joining us at the moment, but hopefully he might join us halfway through. So I'm just going to bring the guys on and then we'll go from there. So brilliant. Hi, Trevor. Hi, Trevor. Hello. Hello, how are you guys? Yeah, good. Yeah. Good, good. Better, obviously better than Mike, actually. Good. good. <laughs> I know, I know. Hopefully, well, hopefully he gets well soon, you know. Um, hopefully he's not too sick for too long and off that off the loop and forward. <laughs> uh, so I mean so um I just want to say thanks for coming on. It's really uh, uh, great to have you have you come on the podcast it's like i said it's just a new podcast i've started um this is only my second one i'm getting used to the software um which stream it's there's a lot that um there's a lot to do and i'm not the most technical side person but i'm getting there um (laughs) yeah so it's really positive um uh so yeah um just so obviously mike's not here but just want to actually just um, mention who, your daughter's names and stuff like that. If just for the people that might not, because you know, used guys should be known across the whole world by now. But just for the people that um, don't know who Three Dads Walking are, that'd be brilliant. Thank you. Well, I, I'm Andy. Um, I'm Sophie's dad, and I live up in Cumbria near Penrith. I'm Tim. I'm Emily's dad, and yeah. I live very near Kingsland in Norfolk. And then, of course, we've got Mike, who's Beth's dad. And, Brilliant. Uh, and, Mike, Mike and Mike's daughter was Beth, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, so he lives in South Manchester. Just yeah. just moved. Um, from, well, he South was in Manchester. Sale. He's now in Northern Moor, but South Manchester. So he's moved on a little bit. He's moved about a bit. Um, obviously, we all know that what you've been through. So how... How did you physically meet? How did you get together to do what you were doing? Well, we all, well, as you, as you know, Trevor, you, when your child takes their own life, your world's shattered and it's just, you know, everything's, everything that you yeah. took for granted is gone and is broken and, and you wonder how the hell you're going to carry yeah. on living. So we, we lost Soph. Um, just before Christmas 2018 um, and looking for a funeral actually we, we were trying to find a suicide prevention charity and a friend of, of mine pointed us at Papyrus Prevention of Young Suicides that we're all supporting here and I'd never come across yeah. them um, and obviously if you look at the website and you find that statement that suicide is the biggest killer under 35s. And I kind of thought, oh, yeah, that's, that can't be right. You know, and we we raised money at a funeral and I just thought I've got to do something to help this charity. So I got stuck in and was doing a lot of stuff, uh, running, hula hooping, skipping, all kinds of stuff. So I kind of got stuck into the charity and became quite high profile within Papyrus 2019 and 2020. Yeah. So that that was me, but then it, yeah. Mike and uh, Tim kind of kind of came along in twenty twenty. Yeah. So if, if you kind of roll the clock forward fourteen months, yeah. so we 
we lost M just the week before lockdown started. She was only 19, bless her. And uh, we, we didn't know which way to go. And we, we were in a funeral of six people and we, we were just in a whole world of her. We were just navigating, you know, the loss of M, navigating yeah. uh, all the COVID restrictions. And little did we know that somewhere up in Manchester, five days after we lost M, Mike lost Beth. Beth was 17. And, you know, she just went to do a low point. And none of the three knew, none of the three of us knew each other. And it was exactly a month after we lost M that my, and I've never heard of Papyrus, my, uh, my eldest daughter uh, said, Dad, I've been speaking to this bloke in Manchester. Now, my eldest daughter was 21 at the time, so I was having kittens that she was talking to some strange bloke in Manchester. And she was. Uh, and she was. He was very strange. Oh, and what had happened was uh, yeah. Annabelle had seen something about <laughs> Beth on the social media about this young girl in Manchester who'd taken her own life. And uh, Mike had been, obviously, on media and somehow through the magic of social media, my eldest daughter reached out to uh, that Mike's Emily, so Mike, Mike's daughter. And the next thing I know, Annabelle was talking to, to Mike and Annabelle, my eldest, suggested that Mike and I talk. So it was exactly a month after we lost M, three weeks after Mike lost Beth, that Mike and I, I first text Mike and then we speak to each yeah. other straight away. And so, so that that was it. That was us two kind of agreeing to support each other, and we, you know, found massive comfort. Mike was in. A, I was in a bad place, but Mike was in an even worse place, and we found great comfort in two dads, you know, two teenage daughters a, a, a week apart. And we kept both of us were inquisitive, mm -hmm. trying to. And I did some stuff with Mind, and Mike told me about this charity Papyrus, and then Mike went on a training course with Papyrus. And ended up sitting by your son, didn't he? Indeed. So my lad was at, at Liverpool University at the time. Uh, Papyrus head offices in Warrington, and uh, Mike was doing this Papyrus Ambassadors course. I think it was. Yeah. He was. He part of his mindset was very much doing suicide prevention training and suicide awareness courses, and just trying to try and work out what the hell was going on. And maybe maybe what what had happened, what they'd missed. Yeah. Anyway, he'd been on this course and literally yeah. sat next to Gregor. And in the papyrus at the time, there's quite a few photos of me as a you know obviously obviously as a, a pinup boy for for the charity <laughs> with the stuff I'd done. And uh, so Mike kind of went when he, he and Gregor were speaking, went, "So is he your dad? This room for soul people, your dad, Gregor? Yeah, he is." And so Mike had, had been thinking about doing something. And he said, so I said to Gregor, do you think he's going to be up for a, a challenge, another challenge? And Gregor's kind of like, I don't know. Here's his phone number, give him a ring. And that that was, so it was actually December the 11th. It was the day before what would have been Sophie's 31st birthday um, that those two met. And then Mike phoned me in the spring of 2021 and like Tim, we we talked for ages on the phone, ages and ages and ages, and um, talked about what we'd gone through and the emotions that we'd we'd gone through and how our lives had changed and what we were doing. And as as, as Tim said, I was kind of fourteen months ahead on this with the horrible journey, um, and I kind of got my head round 
yeah. how good it was for me personally to do things to help the virus, to do things that would help other people not going down this route. So I was kind of very much focused on that. And uh, anyway, Mike said he'd had an idea. And so rather than talk about it much on the phone, he said, well, let's get together. So we went, we arranged to go for a walk and not far from here and um, had a very powerful walk. Yeah. End of, well, I think it was, or May, beginning of May, something like that. And we walked only about six miles, but um, I remember that night coming home when I was knackered, just emotionally drained from the the day um, because we were very open with each other about what had gone on. But in amongst all that, Mike then said, he explained about Tim and this chap who'd helped him, helped him survive, really. <clears throat> and uh, Mike said he had this idea that um, to try and show that suicide doesn't discriminate and could happen to any family anywhere in the country about walking between our homes and uh well that's a good idea that's a really good idea i think and uh, he said you know obviously start here walk to his house in manchester he said remind me where tim lives and he said uh just outside of king's lynn uh, he didn't realize that's norfolk don't you mike <laughs> i'm not sure he did you know <laughs> now knowing how bad his navigation is <laughs> anyway so, but I thought, a yeah, bloody brilliant idea. And then that led on to the first Zoom call, the three of us. Yeah, in April, um, April 21, wasn't it? Is that what it went yeah. on? Yeah, so yeah. That's how, so that's how we met. That's how the three of us. But yeah. it, it, the weird thing is, did, we did all you met. Find, did you find, hmm. Go on, drive a fire away. Yeah, I was just going to say, did you, did you find that was, did you find that you gelled quite quick together? <laughs> we never gelled, have we, Tim? <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, so with, with three, three dads, totally different characters, totally different parts of the world, but, you know, bonded by this, you know, loss of our daughters and yeah. kind of got each other straight away and we've all got different strengths and weaknesses yeah. and they kind of complement each other. Uh, and yeah, we gelled straight away. You know, we, we met once via Zoom. We met uh, at beginning of July, I think it was, uh, face to face for the first time. We met once more to kind of launch our walk at a at a brewery, which yeah. is good. And then, and then the third time we met was the, the, the when we started walking, basically. Mm. So we were, yeah, um, yeah. It, it did just gelled. It just gelled. So that was cool. One of the things that we found since then, you know, we've we've absolutely met, yeah, so many suicide bereaved parents, and and that feeling when when you meet people who've gone through the same thing, you know you're in the same place, or you've had that that shattering shared experience yeah. and the bitter, exquisite grief that you you've got, yeah. um, which actually allows you to communicate with people in such a different way um so we, we've seen how talking to other suicide bereaved parents is a massive help massive support um and we've just we've just kind of yeah it by hurling ourselves together <laughs> and uh not being able to shake each other off um and fortunately very fortunately we do happen to get on um very well yeah. actually and then we end up making each other laugh a lot 
we laugh a lot, don't we? Normally at each other, yeah. That's yeah, good. Always, That's always good. At each other, always, yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. Uh, great, um, incredibly powerful friendship. Yeah, definitely. As you can tell, you can tell when these are on the TV or social media, you can see that there's there's, there's a bond there between the three of you, which is which is absolutely amazing. Because, like you said, to go through something so traumatic, but to be able to have th th three of you together, to be able to lean on each other whenever you need it, but, you know, that's that's your characters really. I, I think that to me was so important. The because we were at the start of the pandemic when M died, the, yeah. there was there was no support or very little support. I had a bit of support through work, which was fantastic, but the normal sources of support you get just just weren't there. And to realise that at the time I got another dad yeah. who I could phone whatever time of day or night it was and say I'm feeling really bad, mate. Yeah. And like Mike did that to me. I know Andy was a bit further ahead, but he when Sophie died he got like community around him and yeah. and then when we yeah. both Mike and I were kind of searching for somebody that was that little bit ahead of us that could tell us how to live if you like you know Mike and I were our daughters yeah. died within five days of each other we didn't know where we were going to but when we met Andy he was that 14 months further down yeah. the line and so he was a guide to us to go bloody hell if he can get to 14 yeah. months down the line we can as well and that and, and there was another guy that i met through in fact through my boss at work who rico who's done some great stuff and he lost his son in 2013 and likewise i lent on him to say how the hell do you get you know yeah. seven years down yeah, the line yeah. because but well, you know trevor when you lose your, your your child your daughter you can't see what's going to happen in the next hour let alone in the next day or the week yeah. or the year so living in that split second no. is, a, is a nightmare and so if you can find something in the future to aim for, that's a really powerful thing. Mm. Yeah. 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 A bit like me. I mean, in a way, I, I tend to work support other. Chloe died in 2014, so I'm quite far down the line now. And I'm in a place where I feel as though I can do that if, confidently, uh, talk mm. about um and I, I'm offering support, like I said to Andy earlier, a monthly tea and talk at work, where I work. And it's just people sitting open up and talking, you know, it's confidential and stuff like that. So, you know, it's like you're on a journey. I mean, you, to me, you are quite early in the journey. And, um, you know, how, how, how is the fundraising being, like, has it, did you feel as though it was a, um, a good action? We well, say again, Trevor. You just broke a bit there. Was it a what? Oh, sorry, I'm just, I'm just. How, how did you feel the charity uh, fundraising and everything? And your walk and went for you. Was it a good? Was it a positive distraction to have? Well, what happened with me? <clears throat> um, my background is sales and marketing, um, and so I've always been into communication. I suppose in one, one way or another. And what actually happened was when also we we we, we, um, we supported Papyrus at Soul's funeral, but then prior uh, to her death, Soul had been in training to run a half marathon in the, at the end of the February, and she'd been trying to get me to run it, and I was just ignoring it. 
Um, but then over Christmas, it became clear that her mate, um, Laura, was going to run, still run this 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 thing, this half marathon. And to start off with, we kind of said, well, we'll we need to go across and support yeah. it. It's across a Bamra, actually, across in Northumberland. And then I kind of thought, no, I'm going to have to run it. Just going across and clapping isn't the right thing to do. I should go and run it. And then I went to enter this thing to find out it had been sold out. And then I actually contacted the organisers and they allowed me to run the using Sophie's entry. And as soon as they, I came off the phone talking to them, I thought, bloody hell, what a fantastic human interest story. You know, and it, I just thought there's I can do something with this. And so um I set up all kinds of stuff under a run hashtag run for Sophie and put up um a training diary every day. Yeah. If you if you Google hashtag run for Sophie, you've got loads of videos of me being hot and sweaty and not looking very pretty at all. Yeah. And started raising money. You know, I think I think I think it was a five grand or something like that I wanted to raise. And 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 in the end, I raised over forty thousand pounds. But the thing that struck wow, me—wow, that's really that's really—it's <laughs> it's what struck me was um, I realised within about a week that the money was actually the byproduct um, because of the contacts I was using. I was getting quite a lot of media coverage, in particular up in this part of the world. A friend of mine's uh, Alison Freeman, who's who's the the the, the journalist who's followed BBC journalist who's followed the three dads. But I'd known Alison for uh, ages, and she yeah. kind of got me on look north, you know, at Newcastle, and uh, and what I realised I was doing. Yes, I was raising money for papyrus, which was great, but what was happening was people were beginning to talk about suicide and suicide prevention. And the guys at Papyrus were reporting that because of the profile I was generating, they were getting calls to the Hopeline, Hopeline UK. And so that was the thing for me. Yes. Yeah. That and so by the time I, I did the half marathon, then I couldn't stop. I couldn't I couldn't not do something to help them. And so I, I found it incredibly positive yeah. personally. And it, it is just um I realized that I would I would have to keep doing it because it it was helping other people, but it was helping me as well. And so when Tim and Mike we came together, yeah, yeah. very well, right. I've got this tame BBC journalist. I think we might make might be able to make this quite big, but we didn't realise what the hell it was going to turn into. Well, when we first started it, we knew we set a really low target, but three thousand pounds each, you know, and we knew before we started before mike went on the red sofa we were just at about nine thousand pounds so we'd made our three thousand pounds each from friends from family because they all wanted to contribute to to help us out and you know the, the network yeah. and we, we we knew before yeah. we three weeks short of starting the first walk we knew we were we we're doing okay but we'd got no idea of the scale and then mike went on the red sofa uh about two and a half weeks oh, yeah. before we started, just on his own. And it was with Jed, I think, chair of the CEO of the charity, sorry. And our just giving went up to about 50,000 yeah. pounds. And it was like, blimey. And we, so we knew we got something big. We knew we got something big, we didn't know how big. And then on the way, when I was, we were all meeting at Andy's house in, in Cumbria. And uh, I was on the train going up north. 
and sitting on Preston Station when Papyrus contacted us on WhatsApp and said, Daniel Craig, you know, 007 Daniel Craig, he's just donated £10,000. And we were, blimey, that's, that, that's a lot. And this was at the time when the latest Bond film had just been delayed and delayed and blah. So he was, you know, he was in the headlines all the time. And we, so we knew it was going to be big. Then we were live on BBC yeah. Breakfast at the start. And these, Andy and Mike had both turned off, off their just giving notifications. I made the mistake of not turning off my just giving notifications. And I think by lunchtime that day, after we'd been live on BBC Breakfast and Moreland as we started, and we started walking, my phone was pinging in my pocket the whole time to say another email, another email. By lunchtime, I think I've got 2,605 emails. <laughs> and by the time, I couldn't work out how to turn these donations off. And then by the time we finished that first day, I was at over 4,000 emails. It was like, oh, my word. And we, we'd gone to over £200,000 on that first day. Well, and I bet that, that took a while. Oh, crikey, that was just immense. And, I mean, we, we, we've raised £200,000 and we brought kind of 20 miles. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, uh, most of it was downhill. Yeah, best, best we do some more walking then. But it does, and, and to know, I, I think the simple fact with papyrus is, you know, we we knew that every five pound re raise could be supporting a life saving call to papyrus's hope line. That the the, the figure is yes. it, it costs the charity the five pounds yeah. to support a call, and we're just looking at it and going, every five pounds we get could be saving a life. Could be. I'm not saying it will, but it could be, and that was massively tangible to us. It, 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 it was incredible that feeling that blimey, we've just got to walk now to raise money, and, and and that really did drive us on. I know when I mean Andy was really injured on the first walk, bless him. <laughs> yeah. But but knowing that that really drove us on, didn't it? Yeah, yes. it it was amazing. And the thing the thing that struck us was we were, well, firstly we were gobsmacked by the the value that was coming in. It was just. I, I did suggest to them that mm. $3,000 each was a bit piffling, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I thought I thought we might raise maybe £60,000 or something like that. I, th I thought we'd, we'd do that. But it was just yeah. overwhelming almost, you know, the, the value. But the thing that really struck us were the numbers of people yeah, and the, the sheer numbers, like Tim was saying, like four thousand people in a day. And that was just to my just giving, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the your two. That was the a third yeah. of it. Yeah, Incredible. and it was just that, that, that the feeling that the the message that we were putting out was firstly being heard, and then secondly, people were reacting to it, and it was it was humbling, really. Um, yeah, and. Yeah, I know. Like Tim, Tim said, it, it did kind of prove the point that we couldn't uh, avoid doing the whole thing now because <laughs> we were known, we were seen, and uh, it so was making you've a massive. Got a cut. Yeah, like you said, you, you, once you've raised a certain amount, you just want to keep going and keep going and see how far you can go. Because, like you said, that five pound. It potentially could save a life, but it actually does give somebody that opportunity to have that call sort of thing. And like we all know now that the foot line's gone 24-7, which is brilliant. Yeah. Which is massive. Yeah, that's awesome. What did you what did you what did you feel like when you hit that million pound? 
<laughs> oh god yeah amazed really yeah. Amazed. i mean we, we, it yeah. it was nice because the first walk we did was aimed at awareness raising and fundraising two two aspects to it really and, and at the end of that with all the just giving and uh, sorry with all the uh gift aid and stuff we're at over eight hundred thousand. and this the second walk was more aimed at the campaign because the, the papyrus yeah. money the money for papyrus is great but it's that it's a lot of it is used in the actual life saving and we could keep giving that money forever and ever and ever but let's try and get upstream of it so we had this campaign in the second walk as you know to you know let's let's put this petition out on the government website and to get suicide <coughs> on the school curriculum yeah yeah, yeah. Fallen. yeah i'm really pleased i got that bang on a million <laughs> yeah. so we were wow. we, we did the, the wow. second walk we knew the second walk we didn't want to focus too much on fundraising we hoped it would come in but we wanted the second walk to be if we can raise this with the government if we can raise this with the decision makers then we can make a difference long term that was the important thing about the second walk was the campaign and making a difference long term and whilst the money coming in was still brilliant and we got mm. the cost of living crisis so we knew that you know it was going to hurt even more for people to give that the the important point for us on the the second yes. walk was the campaign it was very much the the campaign because if we can get suicide prevention on the school curriculum that will equally save lives and, 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 and that was so important to us so we're not just firefighting now we're not just aiming to firefight with the money we raised let's get way upstream of it and start educating our kids from a very young age about how to handle their emotions yeah. how to that helps seeking behavior and how to mm -hmm. you know teach them that you know you will some of you 20 percent of you will have those you know suicidal thoughts and you need to be able to deal with it you need to have plans to deal with for those thoughts strike so yeah the, the fundraiser was as andy says when that million pounds on fiona's phone was there so dead on a million it was like just wow it's it, it, so, and that so it's great to have raised a million brilliant but the bigger goal, if you like, is to get the uh, suicide prevention on the school curriculum. That is the big goal. It is, yeah. and, and, and then, and then yeah. and like like you said, that 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 impact you had was yeah. Go on. I, I was just I was just going to say the impact you had, the the impact that you had with the fundraising during the cost of living crisis just goes to show how how supportive the people were for you that during that that time. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It is. It's, it's a kind of weird place that we've 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 put ourselves in, um, and certainly wasn't by design. You know, we didn't expect to be this kind of scale. But the the, the thing was again, the, was this. Yeah, the money's still a byproduct because the key thing is getting people talking, and talking about suicide yeah. and suicide prevention, and the feedback we've had. This so many folk it's it's been amazing you know the number of people who've said who've thanked us for introducing the papyrus or or allowing um or creating a bit of a safe space where they could just talk to their children about concerns that they'd had so we know we're making a difference there which is incredibly positive but say so this this byproduct that we've created has been has been massive um and it has helped papyrus push on their um growth and the hope line 24 7 was up with one of that you know it was it was there as a plan 
but because of the extra cash, un, unexpected cash we've generated, yeah. they managed to pull the plan, all the plans forward. So they're doing that and opening more offices, which will save more lives. You know, it, it's it's gobsmacking, really. We had a we had a, a message today from a guy yeah. that had seen us on telly, it's, it's and he uh, he intervened yeah. with a girl trying to take her life. <clears throat> it was six or several months ago. 13-year-old girl was trying to take a life and he saw her, seen what we'd been doing on telly and he intervened. He didn't know whether to at the time. Anyhow, he followed up with her a few months later and he said, got the mess. We only had this this morning. I've not seen so, this. Yeah, it's, it's really powerful. So he's 50 years old, same, you know, middle-aged man like we are. And there was a 13-year-old girl about to take a life. He saw it, didn't know what to do. He'd seen yeah. us on telly and he intervened with that girl. Got her back home, took her home and uh to a family yeah and in in his message to us today uh he put tonight she sent me a message several months later to say she was fine and enjoying school i wanted to share the information with you so you you know you're making a difference keep fighting for change <laughs> so that's a 50 year old bloke that saw us on telly stopped a young girl in the act of taking her own life and because of, he felt empowered to do that, empowered to intervene by yeah. what we, we'd said. And then several months later, she's at school, enjoying yeah. life, yeah. doing okay. And that's just talking about it. That's not doing anything special. So that is, to me, that's really powerful. That's a life that was saved. It just shows how powerful it is. Like you said, the issues have been getting across constantly that's one example of the, the massive impact it had like it, it's already saving lives yeah no one of the in that on the first walk one of the um the feedback we had in the probably about the end of the first week or something like that the guys from Pyrus hopeline um con we got a message from them to say that the calls uh, to Hopeline had gone up by about 20%. Many people actually referencing us as the reason that they found yeah. the Hopeline. But they also said that they'd seen something that they'd yeah. never seen before. They quite often got a bit of a spike in calls if something high profile had happened that, that mentioned the charity. But they said what they'd never seen before were dads phoning up asking for help. If, 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 the, if it was a concerned parent phoning up asking for help, it was all almost invariably the mother uh, but after we'd been seen dads were phoning up and asking their help, yeah. which i thought was fantastic absolutely fantastic again completely unplanned not not something we'd yeah, that is, we could, that could affect mm. yeah that, that is that is amazing like you said obviously you've had an impact across the country like you, you said a positive step for, for getting contact and all sort of, yeah that was that's great um, i'm just I'm, i was just i just wanted to touch on when 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 i actually met you for the first time at uh, westminster when you did finish walk it was quite a wet day that day but uh, yeah uh, again i just wanted to because you i remember i, I remember i remember I, rem I remember um, 
my phone constantly to keep an eye on the signatures for the petition. It was like 70,000, 80,000, 90,000. Then you touched 100,000. That was huge. Yeah, that, that was an awesome moment. We were, because we've been nominated for a, a Just Giving Award and we were waiting to go to the awards. So we finished the walk. We were absolutely freezing. I'd be okay, yeah. cold on the entire walk. We were soaked wet through in the centre of London, for heaven's sake. And uh, we were waiting to go to the Just Giving Awards, not knowing if we'd won an award or not. But as normal, we're in a pub because we've just finished the walk, so we're having a beer. And we were literally just, just watching it. And as it clicked over 100,000, it was an incredibly powerful moment because it was just like fantastic. We've done as much as we can now in terms of it's now over to the decision makers, the policy makers, whether they want to debate this. You know, we're just three dads. We're not famous. We're not, we haven't got a platform to start yeah. with before we do the walks. And if, if we've created that, then it's up to now the decision makers to start t taking action. You know, not not just us, they've got to do something about it. So it was yes. a massively powerful and emotional uh, few minutes in the pub. It was lovely, uh, wasn't it? It? it was lovely. It was lovely. Just the right time as well, because we were all just sitting there. With, we were dried out. We were just, we were still in our walking kit, but we dried out. And uh, when everyone else was in dinner jackets and stuff to get to these awards, and we were in our walking kit, that was quite cool. Just but, yeah, but it was good. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Just one on, just one on getting into the school curriculum. I have, have the, um, has anyone mentioned about how they're going to do it? How are they going to incorporate it in the school curriculum? Well, it's it's been interesting. A lot of people have asked us, you know, what, what does this look like? And we've basically gone, we don't know, because we aren't educationalists. You know, yeah. We aren't experts in this. The one thing that we... The reason that we went down this route was because on the first walk, we met so many suicide bereaved parents who said, like us, they hadn't seen it coming. They only found out about papyrus after the event, and it was only then that they found out that suicide's the biggest killer of under 35s. And people were just saying to us every day, why didn't anybody tell us? Why didn't anybody tell our children that the biggest risk to themselves, uh, the biggest risk as they grow up to their lives are themselves? You know, why didn't anybody tell us? Why didn't yeah. and, and it was that, and that question being asked day after day after day after day prompted us to look at the school curriculum when we got when we finished the walk, and you and it's, and it's amazing the stuff that's on that RSHE curriculum, and it's come on massively since I was at school. I mean, it, it, that didn't exist. Um, you know, so there's lots of good stuff, uh, particularly around mental health and well-being and emotional development. And so it's great, all good, all good, all good. But you come to the the end, as it were, and suicide. They say suicide prevention can be taught, so it's not compulsory. But it can only be taught to older pupils whatever that means and that really pissed us off because it it kind of felt like you, they were doing a lot of good work and then actually missing the critical bit the bit that actually saves lives particularly thinking about young people yeah. who were having suicidal thoughts if they'd gone through all this good stuff that was already being done and they're having suicidal thoughts they would it kind of makes you feel that you're beyond help immediately yeah. rather than there is help out there which is what set us off down the route of, yeah. of attacking the government. And oh, what was the, what was your question, Trevor? I've got I've got down this route, but 
What was the point I was trying to make, Tim? <laughs> just it as well now, mate. <laughs> just how just, it was. It was just. It was just about how you think it'll be incorporated within the school. Oh, yeah, how, Will how, it become how, a, right. a, a, yeah. an awareness yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. And so, so we what we the question we were asking was the easy bit. It's like saying, "This is the gap. You need to we we need to do this." You know, as a society, we've got to tell our young people about the, the most dangerous thing in their lives, and we aren't. And we've got an opportunity to do it as they're going through the school. Add it on. So we were doing the easy bit, saying, "Look at that. Biggest risk to young people. Tell them about it. If we don't tell them about it, we're being idiots." So that was the easy bit. <laughs> the the how and what it looks like is definitely not down to us. However, we've met loads of people who can do it, <laughs> who know how to do it. The experts in on the uh, in terms of education, in charities, uh, people who are actually delivering suicide prevention lessons and workshops now. And we had the privilege just before Christmas yeah. to go and see a Cumbrian charity, Every Life Matters. Uh, deliver um, suicide prevention workshops to uh, two groups of children, 11, 12-year-olds and 15 and 16-year-olds. And it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic because it was safe, it was controlled, it was informative, it was engaging. The kids got loads out of it. Um, Yeah, it was challenging, but it was was just done in such a, a fantastic way. There's, with, with that stuff that we saw being delivered, there was a key thing, the two key things from my perspective. One was it was all age appropriate. So the, the, there were two different lessons being delivered, yeah. one to 11, 12-year-olds, which was a bit more gentle, and one to 15 and 16-year-olds, which was a bit more, you know, hard, hard, harder facts, but both age appropriate. Second really powerful fact that was delivered to two classes of about 25, so 50 yeah. pupils. The parents had to give their permission for that suicide prevention lesson to be delivered. Not one parent said, do not deliver that to my child. So that is you know, a 100% hit rate of 50, 50 sets of yeah. parents that want that life-saving, those life-saving skills to be passed to their, yeah. their children, which is incredibly powerful. And as Andy says, yeah. this material is out there. We've heard some dreadful stories from Papyrus where they've been called into to a school to give a suicide prevention lesson after there's been a suicide. So what generally happens is a school suffers a suicide, there's a bit of a panic, they don't want to have a repeat, so they bring in the suicide prevention professionals. Wouldn't it be better if the suicide prevention lesson was given before the child yeah. took their own lives? It's just we do prevention for everything else. We do, yeah. you know, fire safety training, we do road safety. We do all this training and prevention work around knife crime, drugs, the prevent strategy to stop counter-radicalization. But the biggest risk to our young people, we don't mention it because it's the S word. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Sorry, yeah. Ranto. Yeah. <laughs> we've got, we've got to be and not reactive yeah exactly yeah, exactly exactly we are for every other risk but not this we'd like the school we'd like the school i'd like just to be assisted because i did the assist course in london with jay 
All right. I uh, all educational professionals should be assist trained. Yeah, and one of the things that that stands out, we we, we met loads and loads of um, teachers as well along our journey, and without exception, they've all said, "Yeah, you're saying the right thing. We do need to do this to our young people, but we need help too." Uh, you know, and and we not realised that teachers would, could go through their teacher training and not have any mental health training and mental health first aid, no mind yeah. suicide prevention first aid at all. And, to, and then they were launched yeah. into these uh, rooms full of young people that are charged with emotion and they're not trained to deal with it. <laughs> it's just yeah. stupid. And, and they're not trained to deliver the RSHE yeah. curriculum. So, yeah, there yeah. needs to be a package. Yeah especially for the teachers at the moment there needs to be a package around it there needs to be support for the teachers uh it's just got to happen and in the longer term the much much longer yeah. term imagine if we have all our kids now you know the youngsters now the 10 year olds 11 year olds who you know grow up thinking suicide prevention is routine it's a good thing to do to talk about it they will become the teachers in 10 years time they'll be the teachers of, of the next generation so if we invest now, in 10 years' time, those young kids will be the adults of the future. They'll be delivering. They'll be in a much better place than the teachers at the moment. So it almost just grow, And it won't just be teachers. It'll be every aspect of society. If yeah. we can train people like this, how many, you know, you do lots of good stuff with the civil service and stuff, you know, delivering suicide prevention. What, what if your audience had already got that embedded in them? What if your audience had, had already knew? Oh, yeah, and it's just almost like a refresher for them rather yeah. than starting from scratch. It's, it, it's about a long-term investment yeah. in society, simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I even thought of, um, you know, the small little papyrus cards that the bullet size you know, if if they're given out in schools, so you know the kids have got something in their wallets or purses or bags. You know, it's, all, it's so they've 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 got an option at the minute. They haven't got an option. Exactly, I, yeah. I, I I totally agree. And all three of us said, you know, none of the three of us knew about papyrus. I didn't even know there, there was such a thing as a suicide prevention yeah. charity. I knew there were mental health charities. But the S word wasn't mentioned. And if that was the yeah. whole point, if all three of us said, if, if we'd known about the charity or if our girls had known about the charity, then maybe, just maybe, one of them, at least one of them would still be here. And that's the whole point. We didn't know where to reach out to. And indeed, the, you know, M, bless her, she was diagnosed with autism when she was 15 and she'd been through yeah. some really hard times between the age of 13 and 15 involved with CAMS nobody pointed us towards a suicide prevention line at all. Yeah. There was no knowledge of it at all. Yeah. Like you said, you think the professionals would be echoed on, on all things suicide prevention and, and and pass that message on sort of thing, which, you know, hopefully with what you guys are doing at the minute, it, it's it's going to change. It, it, it has to change. So, you know, we've just got to keep going at the end of the day and trying to get that message across. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, 
I just want to ask, what was it like meeting the Prime Minister? Tim liked his cakes. I liked his cakes. His cakes were good. I had two of his cakes in his backyard. No, but the striking thing to me, <laughs> the striking yeah. thing to me was, was the first thing he said to us was, I'm the dad of two young girls. So he came at our conversation clearly as a prime minister, as the prime minister, as, you know, a really powerful chap. But also he came yeah. as a dad of two young girls. And we've seen, we know suicide doesn't discriminate. It could easily as happen, you know, to the, the richest, most powerful family in the, in the country, to the poorest family in the country, to whatever race, whatever religion, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's no discrimination at all. So none of us are immune from it. And so, so meeting him and, you know, hearing him, you know, talk yeah. about being a dad, that was incredibly powerful to think that he was coming at this problem, this issue as a dad, as well as a prime minister. Uh, I think the, the yeah. it was interesting when we yeah. sat down with him. It was obviously that he'd been well briefed for certain. I, I think he's got a reputation for, for being very well briefed yeah. and able to handle brief. But it was also clear that he'd looked at our website, the Three Dads Walking UK website, um, himself, you know, and that he'd actually taken time to to do some uh, background um, research into what we were there for. And we engaged. It was a very, um, it was a good good conversation. Um, I mean, he was never going to say. Um, Great idea, lads. It's happening tomorrow because the machine and government doesn't work like that. But what it did allow us to do was, towards the end of the conversation, was to talk to him about what happens next. Um, and we we already had a what happens next, which was a meeting yeah. with Julian Keegan, um, education secretary. So that was already in our diaries. Yes, yeah, that, yeah. Um, and so his, he went away saying, yes, he would go and talk to his education secretary about the conversation he'd had um, and talk about the insights that he, he gained from us. And um, we'll look forward to um, us being involved in what happens next within education. So it's a really positive finish to that meeting, um, knowing that yeah. he not said it, he, at no point did yeah. he say, this is a bad idea, we're not going to do it. Um, but he was going to take it on and have a conversation with the right people with yeah. the government. Yeah, and that's that's really positive. That is, like you said, it, it's get it's touching the right people in in the government to to be able to make the difference. You know, they they'll have the power to be able to do that. Someone's got to nod them in the right direction, and that's what you that's what you guys are doing. You know, keep we've got to keep on keep on at this. Something becomes live in schools. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Was it yesterday? Did you meet Kevin Sinfield, the book player? Was it yesterday or the day before? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we've got a man crush. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, we, we were at BBC. Obviously, met Gillian Keegan on Monday, which was a really powerful meeting again really useful meeting really productive meeting yeah. she's invited us back to help support and yeah. so we'd, we'd raced up from london up to manchester to be on the red sofa yesterday morning and uh, we, we'd done our interview on bbc breakfast we went to collect up where our bags were and there he is sitting by our bags so we had a good chat with him and uh yeah because he's a fantastic yeah. bloke he's done it. 
What it, man. incredible, absolutely incredible what he's done. Uh, yeah, just uh, just brilliant, just brilliant. So we had a yeah, good chat, didn't we? And we did uh, we had a bit of love, a bit of a loving with with him, didn't yeah. we? Four blokes having a love in, yeah, it's good, and yeah, just what a brilliant bloke. So yeah, that was that was that that was cool. Yeah, real uh, highlight, a fantastic man to be. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, it, it was it was epic. Um, Rob Burrows over the over the line at the, at yeah. the end of the Leeds marathon, unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. What that, that that small gesture was so powerful. Yeah, yeah, what a mate. What a mate. I think that's, you know, I, I, I guess it's just blokes helping each other out, isn't it? You know, it goes back to just being mates with each other and just being proper mates with yeah, each yeah. other and not being, not being, you know, scared to show your emotions and stuff, yeah. which I, I'm not talking about being weak at all because that's, you know, but there's power in that strength of, you know, supporting each other massively, massive power in that. Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. So we've spoken a little bit about you guys, about yours, about three dads walking, and your um, yours on TV, which you're becoming more and more famous every day. What are, what do you do not together and not walking? How do you switch off? What do you do for yourselves? I do a lot of walking. <laughs> <laughs> well, living living in the Lake District, well, well I'm just outside, out in the Eden Valley. Um, you know, I've I've been brought up to be out on the fells, um, so I'll get out. And do, in fact, today uh, um, I've been out with um, another volunteer group called Fix the Fells. So we're there's a group yeah. of about 130 of us, 140 of us. You'll go out, go out and do path repairs and path maintenance. So I've spent, I've spent um, six hours on cat bells today digging a bloody great big hole actually <laughs> for, to produce some soil that's get put down on a path. So I do that, and at the moment I've got to say I've got a class a massive um, uh, interest in football because I'm a Man City supporter and have been all my life. So um, at the moment I'm looking forward to the treble. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do do a bit of walking. Ah, so you're a city fan, yeah? yeah sorry. Oh. <laughs> sorry, this is late. <laughs> yeah, so I I just do a bit of. Uh, this morning I was up at six taking the doggy for a walk into the woods. We live in a rural, you know, Norfolk, but there's, there's no real hills here. There's a few little mounds, but no real hills. Hills, bollocks to your hills. <laughs> yeah, little little mounds, mountains, mate. Uh, but I, I work and I've got, you know, still got a young family at, at home. So that takes up a lot of my time, so, you know, helping that out. But next week I'm away, thank goodness, and we're up in Scotland. Yeah. And we will be doing some walking up in Scotland. Uh, and we go to Cornwall quite a lot as well. Cornwall's a really special place for us. Em used to love Cornwall. So uh, we do that. But, yeah. yeah. I'm still working and still still busy with with younger kids. I'm the one with the younger kids in the, in the three of us. So, yeah, yeah. At, at the moment, at the moment, Mike's uh, time is taken up with a house move. Yeah, <laughs> so he moved. Was it two weeks ago? He moved. Uh, two weeks, yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's still unpacking yeah. loads of boxes. So. I'm being poorly, clearly. Well, obviously being poorly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Well, I've, I'm, I'm doing the Great North Run this year for Papyrus, so I'm supposed to be out training. Uh, I might get I get told off from this, from my son for being lazy. <laughs> Good luck to you. Excellent. I've got to do a bit of running, but we're doing the Baton of Hope like you, tra tra you know, doing a bit of Baton of Hope yeah. in Manchester. So. Yeah, that that that'd be good fun. So that's something yes, that yeah, yeah. Got to run for. So that'll be cool. Yeah, actually, we're going to actually going to run from Old Trafford to the Etihad. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll oh. be really cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll not we'll not talk football. I'm a Middlesbrough fan. <laughs> so close, so close, <laughs> yeah, so far. The um adam um nolan the, yeah. the guy who's uh, behind the camera for the bbc he's a big middlesbrough fan in fact he does a lot of filming at, at middlesbrough yeah in his spare time and so yeah adam wasn't that pleased when we saw him on monday was he no he wasn't yeah. it was good to see him yeah it was yeah. but i i i I travel, I travel from Ipswich 250 miles to watch the Borough game to get beat to travel all the way back to Ipswich. So it was a 500 mile disappointing round trip. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we feel your pain. We've, as, a, as a Man City fan, I've, I've been through all that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so just before we draw it to a close, you guys go. Just to, what 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 mess what message would you give to anybody this uh, these days if you know that someone's struggling and you know that you know you, you some people get to that point. What message would you would you give them? What you know? What words would you say to them of encouragement? You know. Don't you understand? Uh, the thing all three of us said that our daughters uh made a stupid decision spur of the moment decision stupid decision and to do some of that suicide prevention training and to to realize that you know those those times pass you know you have those really dark times but they pass in you know a few minutes and uh just as that uh you know that message i read out from that 50 year old that intercepted a 13 year old girl who was about to take her own life, the 50-year-old stopped her, and a few yeah. months later, she's going to school, she's having a good life, and that would have been a really bad decision. And I think we've heard the most powerful stories we hear are those people that yeah. have been to the edge and have come out the other side, and are now, life won't be perfect, but they're working, they've got families, they're at school, they are having a life, and they've been given a second chance. And I think that, to me, yeah. is so powerful when I hear those stories. Yeah, and I think the thing that came into my head yeah. is the message that there is there is hope, there is hope, and more critically, there is help. There is help out there, but the the only way to access it yeah. is to talk, is to commit. Somehow, we need to to build in this help seeking behaviour that we talked yeah. about earlier on, because if people are in a a desperate situation at the moment kind of the, the societal norm is to try and internalize everything and sort everything out yourself whereas actually what the the right action is to do is ask for help whether that be to friends and family or to pick up a, um, the phone to the likes of uh, hopeline you hopeline 24 7 
so yeah, that message that there is help out there and there is hope. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. I mean, like you said, like you said, what, what you guys have done is is unbelievable unbelievable to get that message across and i think like like because we're you're on social media the news the tv you know that that message is getting across it's starting to trickle out to people that they can reach out there is like you said the support lines out there for the number of charities in the hope line uk and you know we've, as dads and as papyrus we just keep at it we've just got to keep going and keep it um, so yeah Amazing, amazing. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, right. Well, um, I just want to say a massive thank you, uh, a huge thank you for coming on and speaking to me. Uh, I, you know, it was it was an aim to talk about what you've been doing and stuff like that, but I just wanted to get to know you as as dads, because like you said, it's the three dads walk in. It's it's the charity, it's Papyrus, it's your website, but it's nice for people to understand that actually you are real dads. We, ha we you have gone through uh, such a traumatic event, so you you know it's 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 keeping that keeping it human, if you know what I mean. Well, all all three of us have got surviving children, you know. So it's well, I've not I've not I've not stopped being Sophie's dad. No, mine is Yeah. You know, you, you, that doesn't that doesn't go away, see, as as you well know. You know that you still you're still Chloe's dad. You are because you are. Um, but it, do, it yeah. does kind of um, focus your mind, I suppose, on your your surviving children, and and yeah, yeah it heightens the awareness. And we'll, I suppose for us, you know, our, our lad Gregor's. Yeah. A bit older than than uh, Tim's youngest, the two children, and so it's been. Greg is doing all right. I see he's had his moments, but you know you don't stop being a dad, yeah. do you? No, not at all. Not at all. Trying to get them through it. No, mm. no, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got a, got a, a younger daughter and a um, uh, an older son, and both my sons got into when we did the. Uh, visit to the uni one of the first questions i asked them was what welfare to support do you offer the students if they come across as looking uh, to have low moods and stuff like that so like you said you've you, we've got other children and it's been there for them because it's difficult for us but it's difficult for them as well and it's just keeping an eye on them yeah exactly yeah yeah and uh, i just want to say one other thing we would we mentioned at the beginning about how how far we are down the line and so on and so forth um and usually you quite quite newish to you guys and uh, i just want to offer my support to you guys if you ever need it because i'm quite far down the line now i've nine years uh in egg gone that was passed away so you know and i'm in a I'm in a decent place, uh, so I'm, I, I, I love helping other people. And you know, if you guys ever need a, an ear, or you know, send an email or a message on Twitter, and you know, I'll get back to you. You know, I just great guys. Support you. Thanks very much. Doing is is nothing sort of amazing. Yeah. So just thank you very much for joining us, and we'll I'll, uh, I'll upload it on Twitter and Spotify and. Um, 
Amazon and YouTube. If you and I'll share it with you on 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 social media. If that's all right with you guys. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, be fine. Right, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest Cheers. of your day. Thanks, Trevor. See you, Trevor. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye. 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 Right. That's it. That's the job podcast. Um, three dads walking one step at a time. Uh, unbelievable guys. Unbelievable what they're doing. Uh, Shem, uh, Mike couldn't join us, but he wasn't very well, so that's totally understandable. Um, but just if you can have a, you know, I hope you've taken something from this about what we need to do to get suicide prevention in the schools. Um, how to encourage people. We definitely need to encourage people to talk. You know, give them the option. You know. Uh, organize something in your schools, organize something in your, your youth centers or your clubs and stuff like that. Give young people the option to say, I'm struggling. Um, and that's all I want to say. You know, um, it, uh, the, the three dads walking message, immensely powerful, immensely powerful. And they're doing a fantastic job getting the message out to everywhere. It's being in parliament, talking about it on the news. And I just want to congratulate them for everything we've done so well um you know uh, yeah amazing i'm lost i'm lost for words and, I, and i'm chuffed the bits that they came on so you know please i'll put it on spotify youtube amazon um so please 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 have a listen and if you can share to the world and let's get the message out okay thanks very much everybody for listening and have a good day bye